I don't know if you've ever been in a sort of situation or a place where you're both nervous and excited and a little bit scared. Anyone? Yeah? Yeah? A few people, hands up. I mean, if we went around the room, I'm sure we would have interesting uh, feedback on what kind of situations you've found yourself in. But I was thinking about uh, a race, you know, some of you athletes out there or past athletes, you know, or a game, you're about to go into a game, you know, or, or you're about to start a race, you're going to run and you're like, I am excited about this, but I am a little bit nervous and a little bit scared. I'm excited because I might actually do quite well and a bit scared that I might not. You know, there's all of that emotion running, isn't there, in you? You know, what about that first date? Yeah, some of us are going, that was a long time ago. <laughs> and some of us are going, it was very recent. <laughs> and so some people are like, I know that feeling, that nervousness, you know. Ooh, he likes me, he likes me. Ooh. And then there's that, oh, oh, what happens? What happens if it doesn't work out the way I think it's going to work out? You know what I mean? There's a nervousness, isn't there? That, that, you know, what, okay, let's take it another, another level. That first kiss. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Some people are like, oh, man, I was petrified, but I was compelled. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to. It was, I was so nervous, but I had to. I'm afraid and nervous, but I'm, you know, you get the picture. You know, you guys... <laughs> My kids are like, stop now. Thank you. I got the signal. Victoria, ear, you know that I'm going over time. If India or Xanthi are going, you know I'm in deep trouble, okay? So, um, but you guys had Chuck here last, last Sunday, and he cracked open this uh, series that him and Taryn are doing on the power of God, the exousia of God. And uh, I'm really excited that he's doing that. I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited that we as a community are going to be exploring what kind of people attract God's power. You know, what kind of a people, what kind of a church, what, what's the posture of us, you know, that in, inclines towards him? What kind of stuff in us that God wants to shape and form? So that his power can rest on his people. Often it said in the New Testament, in particular the book of Acts, it said "And the hand of God was upon them. And that the power was at work. I'm like, ooh. So I'm nervous and excited about that. And then also we're going to do this series in the book of Mark. You know, we've started it, haven't we? And the book of Mark is like a power gospel. And it, it, the, there is a word that comes up constantly throughout the book and it is immediately. Immediately something happens. Immediately she was healed. Immediately the demons left. Immediately people understood. There's an immediacy as we start to work our way through this book. And so it brings with, in, into that then it brings tensions. And I'm, not only for me, I'm sure for some of us. Because we hear in our church that we believe in the now. That God's kingdom has come now. But also at times... You know, we don't see it. It doesn't seem to break in immediately. And yet we, ha we do know God's promises 
it will come in all fullness when Jesus returns. And so we're living in this kind of now, not yet, now, not yet kind of deal. The book of Mark is a whole lot more now. A whole lot more now. And that brings tensions. But I want us to go on a journey with it. And so we're going to read from Mark's gospel this morning from um, chapter one and uh, verse 14. And it's going to come up on the screen. There it is. Here we go. Okay, let's let's read this. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's just hit pause. There are three phrases that we're going to be looking at today. And the first phrase that Jesus says in this passage is this. The time has come. The time has come. Now the context of this phrase here is that something has kind of passed already. It says that John the Baptist had now been put in prison and now Jesus' public ministry was happening. And as he comes into the public view, if you like, he proclaims the time, of, the time has come that the kingdom of God is now here. What he's saying is it's a new era that God's rule is going to be manifest on earth. The time has come. And I've been pondering and living with this statement. It was unbelievable news for the people of the day that God was about to do something remarkable. We've already heard, you know, I remember a couple of weeks ago I preached and I said they had not heard anything new, if you like, from God for nearly 300 years. And now Jesus is arriving saying, God is here. God is with you. God is going to do something new. Are you ready? He hasn't forgotten you. That's incredible news for those people. And as I've been reading this, I just want to suggest something to you. Those words are true for you and me. If Jesus proclaimed the kingdom has come and the time was then, then it's still time. The king, you know, the time has come for you and me. That promise and that statement then is alive and living now for you and for me. And that has huge implications for us, doesn't it? And so I've been thinking for some of us here this morning, and this is where I want to just kind of prophesy a little bit. For some of us this morning, you see, the John the Baptist era was a good era. He was brilliant. He did amazing things. He proclaimed and he started something. But bless him, that era is over and a new era has come. And for some of us this morning, there's a word for you in this. That actually you need to hear that the past is over. That it's, it's a new season for you in God. And as I've been reading this, I've been taking this by faith and something's going on in me. You know, I've lived with lots of disappointments. I've prayed for lots of people. I've hoped for lots and I've not seen what I want to see. And as I read this afresh, I felt like God was saying, no, no, I'm serious about this. The time is here. 
that has huge implications. And as I've been, we've been worshipping this morning, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for a couple of folks. And I saw in my mind's eye people drawing a line in the sand and crossing it, saying, yes, I want that to be true. And as they took a step, as they crossed this line in the sand, a wall was suddenly built. Just like that. And I felt like, actually, for Ken, it's June, June, isn't it? That that's a word for you. That God wants to take you across the line this morning. He wants, he's drawing a line in the sand and he's proclaiming over your life today that the time has come for a new, whole new season. And I asked the Lord, why this wall is suddenly erected? It comes out of the sand and it just goes. And it's because there's been stuff on this side of the wall. That's been limiting your lives. And God has built the wall to say that has no power over you anymore. And I want, a, and it's a new day for you. So listen, we're going to test this. This is not about showing off. This is about testing what I think God is possibly saying. Is that, in any, is that accurate? Am I barking? Okay. So we're going to res- we want you to respond uh, later on. Because I feel like God wants to genuinely... Do something and say, enough, it's a new day for you. And I felt for a number of other people, this is a word for you now. We've had past stuff, it's been good. Past stuff in church, that's been good. Campbell, it's been good, but it's a new season. And the question is, is, do you want it? Do you really want it? So for you guys, I saw this. I saw a ship, and I saw you rowing like mad. You know, rowing in this, you know, a bunch of people with a bunch of people and you're rowing like mad and it was hard work, but you were going somewhere. And then I saw the sails and I felt like the Lord said, listen, you work hard, you wrestle, you, you strive, but it's time. There's a season when you need to do that and there is a season coming where you need to actually just be obedient, put the sail up and let God be God and let him do something new. Is that okay? Does that make sense as well? Totally. Okay, so you need to ask these guys, okay? So maybe, you know, because I think we need to build faith. The reason why I'm saying this is this. Last Sunday, I'm in, I'm in GP, and I had a very similar word for a man in the room, a really godly guy, and I, I said to him, I see you praying for the sick. It's a new day. It's a new power moment for you. You've not seen this in 20 years or so. And after the service, I went and said to him, was that accurate? He said, listen, I was in India last week. For the first time in 20 years, I prayed for some people. There were five people. They were instantaneously healed. Okay? This is not about me. This is about building. Listen, this is, I think, I genuinely think God wants to do something in Lawrence Kirk. And if he's going to do something in our nation, I'm jealous. I want it happening here first. So the question is, is are we going to do this? And is this a word for us as a church? It's time. Because I'm fed up of saying it's not. Or other people saying it's not. Or in my head, or, you know, enemy saying it's never time. No, no. Scripture says it's time. So what are we going to do? So Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, would you breathe faith into our lives today? That these words would become alive in us in the present and not just for the past, but right now, today. It's time.
We pray for that in us. Amen. You know, Jesus then says another phrase. It says in verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon or Peter and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men at once. Some, it says immediately. Here, it, here we go. At once they left their nets and followed him. It's time. And then the next breath, Jesus is saying to a group of men on a beach, follow me. And they immediately do so. Now, this 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 statement. And we have to remember this, that Mark's gospel is a headline gospel. Mark is trying to um, hit the big things at the beginning of the Jesus story. And the first thing he wants to let us know is this. Something remarkable happened on that beach that caused a bunch of men to leave some things and to follow him and to start something. And what I get out of this just immediately is this. Jesus Jesus doesn't want to do stuff on his own. Jesus has said, the time has come, the kingdom of God is here and I'm not doing it solo. I am inviting you to become part of this. This whole thing is called the king, you know, in our title. The servant king. He is a king that wants to share his kingdom. And the first thing he does in in, in the public ministry of Jesus, it says in Mark, is that he invites people to join him and to do what he does. He says, my kingdom is not just for me. I'm a king that's going to share my kingdom. So come and be a part of it. Right at the word go, he says, partner. Wow. That the God of heaven who sent his son is saying to people, I want you in on this. Amazing. So the thing is, though, I don't know how you read this stuff, but when I read, you know, here's Jesus walking along a beach, he sees a group of men, and the first thing he says to him is like, follow me. I mean, is he like Jedi warrior Jesus? You know, who just goes, look into my eyes, look into my eyes, follow me. And they all go, oh yeah, better do that. And off they go. I don't know how you read this stuff, but I read it a bit like that. And I go, is that what happened? Is that how it happens for us? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that the Holy Spirit can move us in such a way that when just one word and one look from Jesus can move some stuff. Because we've experienced that. But generally speaking, there is another thing going on here. There's more to the story. And so what we need to look at and find out is go and have a look at the other Gospels to find out where the missing bits are. Because this is the headline. So if you turn to the book of Luke, I'm just going to summarize very quickly a little bit of what's going on here. Because it says that Jesus is in Galilee. He's come out of the wilderness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's healing and he's expelling demons. And it's crazy. And it's like, whoa, this new guy is in town. He goes to a synagogue. He deals with a demon. And then it sounds like Simon Peter and his family are in the synagogue. And they invite him and they say, would you mind coming back for dinner? That's what I'm thinking. Something like that, because they're radically hospitable people. (laughs) Anyway, so the story unfolds. Jesus then goes back to Simon Peter's mother-in-law's house. Well, they arrive. She's poorly. 
She's ill and in bed. Jesus, it says, leans over her and commands the fever to leave. And again, I love how, Mark, uh, how Luke says it. It says, and immediately she got up and waited on them. Now, two things are going on there. I'm like, what's wrong with you boys? Can you not make a cup of tea? Or did Peter or whoever it was see something and thought, my household needs that. My house needs a breakthrough. And maybe he can. And so he brings into the house. Peter's own mother-in-law is then immediately healed. And then they have open house party. For the next 10 or 12 hours, it says that every sick and diseased and demoniac in the neighborhood is rocking up at their house. Can you imagine that? I just invited you for lunch. And it's like everybody in the area, every person who's got a problem, every person who's oppressed, every person who's diseased, they're wheeling them in. And it says, and Jesus healed every single one of them. Peter is watching all of this. Can you imagine? So now then, when he's seen and he's witnessed this radical transformation, not only of his mother-in-law, but a whole bunch of people in his own house or in his own one of his family's members' houses, now suddenly, a couple of days, because God's good like this, he does something and then he gives us a couple of days for it to percolate, to let it think through, think, oh my goodness, what are the implications of this? Who is this Jesus, this rabbi, this guy? And then the next thing we see, here he is, Jesus is walking along and there is Peter casting his net and fixing his net and he's there with his brothers, he's going about his daily business and then Jesus rocks up and said, hey, follow me. Now, I'm thinking, okay, that's significant, but there's more to it. There's more to it than that. Not only has he an experience of Jesus, phrases have meaning. You know, we use phrases, don't we, here in the UK. We have colloquialisms and sort of slang stuff that have loaded meanings that if you were a foreigner walking into this country, you could hear something, but they wouldn't understand it. So simple things like belt up. Yeah? Me and Jude are having a conversation, and she thinks, James, you're just talking too much. And he says, she would never say this. Says to me, Juicy, belt up. Now, I and you guys know exactly what that means, don't you? It means you talk too much, it's time. Yeah? We get it. We get it. We understand that. You know, what about a phrase like put a sock in it? We know exactly what that means, don't we? Oh my goodness. Put a sock in it immediately says, you've said too much, it's time to stop. But if you were coming from another country or another time, you put a sock? Where? What? What? A sock? Is it a, what? I don't, I, can you explain? But we don't need to. We already understand. You want to laugh at one more? Cod, cod's wallop. Now that, like, people use that. Cod's wallop. So I'm thinking, what on earth is the root of cod's wallop? I'm thinking, is it to do with a fish? And you beat it? What's that? Cod, fish, wallop, bang. Fish bang. I'm just trying to understand. I think that's a fair cop, is it not? To try and understand the, what do you call it? The, uh, the, um, 
etymology of a, of, of a saying or a phrase. Well, it has nothing to do with fish. So in 1880, beer was starting to be produced in the UK. And a guy, can't remember his name, something or other, Cod, decided to make a beer, but it wasn't really alcoholic. And wallop was a slang term for beer. Because if you drank too much beer properly, you went wallop. <laughs> How cool is that? And the thing is, the beer fraternity said, Cod's beer's rubbish. So they called it Cod's Wallop, because it's just not the real thing. Ah, how cool is that? Now listen, don't take that home today. There's a bigger truth coming. Okay? I learned in church today that, you know, Cod's... No, no. Let's get this real, okay? But we understand it. So here's the thing. When Jesus said, and looked those guys in the eye, and he said, hey, follow me, something else is being said here of a much deeper meaning. And it came out of the cultural understanding of education and becoming something. So between four and five-year-old boys, it was a bit sexist, I know, they were educated, they were sent to the synagogue, and they had a school of Midrash, and then they learned by rote the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Hey, listen, you think our Bible studies are tough. I mean, these guys learned Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, by the age of 12, they, they had memorized it. Wow. There you go, mad. <laughs> you know? Wow, that's intense, isn't it? And at around the age of between 12 and 13, when boys became men, and I know there's a song in it, but we won't sing it, you know, then at that point, and, and this is why Jesus is in the temple. Remember? In Luke's gospel, it says that his parents forgot about him and left him in the temple. And Jesus is having this conversation with the leaders of the day. And what they did is, between 12 and 13, they began to quiz. They began to quiz the young men. To say, what do they know? What is the potential? Are they of the right material to become like us and become leaders and rabbis? And so they're asking those questions. And of Jesus, they said, this is a remarkable young man, didn't they? So at 12 or 13, they were quizzed. And those that didn't make the cut went back to their father's business. Tanners, shepherds, fishermen. The 13-year-olds who made the cut went on into further study. And, and so they learned the prophets and the law. And they were, and they were, and they were you know, invested in. And at around 16 came another juncture. When the known national leaders would visit the local schools and they would begin to ask questions and how those young men began to respond and quit question back and dialogue and there would be national rabbinical leaders and they would look at them and quiz those guys and if they felt that there was a young man who could be who could do what they do and become like them and understand things the way that they understood the world yes what they said to them they said son Follow me. In that statement, it is a loaded statement. It said, the rabbis of the day are saying, you're of the right material. We see in you the possibility of becoming like me. You have the ability to become like me. 
Let's go back to the beach for a second. Peter has just watched Jesus, for two, maybe a couple of days prior, heal the sick, deliver demons, and do the most extraordinary stuff. And then a, he is there. He is stood on the beach, saying, "Follow me." Wow! Suddenly, those words mean you come and do what I do. I'm inviting you to come and join something. However, it's not on your ability, but on mine. And that's very different. Because the guys that became rabbis, it was all about their ability. And Jesus is starting a movement that has nothing to do with our ability and everything about his. He is starting a movement of faith and trust, not in our own ability to do stuff, but to trust him and his ability. And that's radical. In fact, that takes the pressure off. And it's not the elite that are going to do this. But it's for everybody. I love that. I love that right here, Jesus is starting something new. And it's for everybody. It's not the elite. It's not just the brain boxes. But it's for you and me. And that's why he chose fishermen and tax collectors. Because he says, my kingdom is for us all. This is not an elitist movement. Because it's based on me and not your ability. How cool is that? And so when he says, follow me, no wonder they're going, I'm willing, I want them. Immediately, they left their nets. It's time. Follow me. And then what was that other little phrase he says. He says, let's read. He says, follow me, are you ready? And I will make you fishes of men. I will make you. We've got to leave our I will and when we leave our will, his will arrives. When we leave our I, his I arrives. Because it's not in our ability, it's in his ability. You see that? We've got to leave some things here to follow him and to receive all that he has for us. I will Make you. I don't know about you, but I spent some of my life me making me. It's not brilliant. To be honest with you, it's pretty pants, it's pretty rubbish. When I try and make me, things generally get a little bit messy. Agreed? We've got us in that moment, we say, I'm no longer making me, but I know you can. I will make you. Jesus is starting a whole movement and he wants us to leave some things and cleave to him. You know, scripture is amazing and God is amazing because this is exactly what he's done all the way through history. When he breaks in to do something extraordinary and new, there's always a leave it. 
Listen to this. This is what happened to Abraham who heard God all those many years ago. It says this. God spoke to Abraham. Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Here we go. You're ready. This is brilliant. I will make you into a great nation. I will make you into a great nation. No, you can't. You don't have the ability to make yourself into a great nation, but I do. You see that? I will make you and I will bless you. You know, you're rubbish at blessing yourself because you bless yourself with all the wrong stuff. But I will bless you. You get it? And there's a whole list here. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who curse you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, follow me. I will make you fishes of men. Is the same promise that was given to Abraham as God broke in and said, I'm going to create a whole new nation to be a blessing to the world. It's the same promise. Jesus is just slightly different language. He's saying, Leave that, follow that, come, and I will make you a blessing to all nations. You'll become fishes of men. And people will look at you and see the difference and go, I want in. Can you see where we're going? Scripture is incredible. Why? Because God knows what he's doing. And his promises of history are are still today alive for you and for me. But the crazy thing is this, guys. I'm going to land on this. When I make me, it's just rubbish. For some of us, other people are making you. For some of us, we allow other people to make us. When Jesus wants to make us. Peter probably had a very strong and interesting conversation with his dad. When he said, I'm following Jesus and I'm leaving my business. The family business. Probably been in their household for however many generations. That is a moment, isn't it? In Peter's life, he's having to make a decision. Are my parents going to make me or is this Jesus going to make me? And for some of us today, there is past voices and it might even be a parent, good, bad or ugly or not there at all. The voice of that is still making us today. And Jesus wants to gently say to you today, there is so much more in my I will make you. And today you can choose. Do you want to stay here and do it, make it, you know, you go keep making it or even allowing other people to make you. And so there's a whole bunch of things. We, you know, parents, you know, for some of us, we still live with the playground making us. Comments as a kid. As a teenager, comments that teachers have made, comments that peers have said and bullies. And you know what? It's still there and it still has a voice and it's still making us. Jesus wants to say to you today, that doesn't have to be quiet. Because the moment you say, I'm in, a wall can be built. It can be broken off you and it doesn't have to have power in the present any longer. The past. Of parents' words, of the playground. Maybe you know partners, past, present. Your experience of, oh, you'll never amount to anything. No, no, Jesus comes and says, I'm not 
making an elitist movement. You're all in. And for some of us, past partnerships, whatever that looks like, is still ticking over and trying to own us and shape us. Jesus says, it's a new day. Peers at work. Who's making you? Them? Do we want Jesus to? He's got a much better plan. He's a much better boss. Actually, scriptures would say when we serve him as boss, we serve our bosses on earth even better. Okay? Who's, who's, who's making us? The person in charge? Or Jesus? I will make you. I'm so excited that these are the things that God, I feel like God is saying to us today. It's time. It's time. And for some of us, it's time to say, enough. Those voices, enough. I want Jesus to be. See, there's a James in here. There's a much better James when I'm following. There's a James in here that he begins to uncover when I leave and follow. You see, there's a James in here I like better than the one that is trying to make it himself. In fact, my wife likes me better. My kids like me better. Victoria has to love me even when I'm a bit broken and even when I cling to the shore. She still has to love me because that's the deal. Jesus still loves us even when we're at the shore. But he has a whole lot more for us. So are we going to leave and clean? Or are we just going to stay and allow all these other things to make us? When Jesus said, huge promise. When you follow me, you become like me. You'll do what I do. And the world will be so attracted to you that you'll get the opportunity to invite them and to introduce them to him. Why don't we stand?